I really enjoyed it and I'd be a massive advocate if you can do some form of internship or paralegaling to work out what you do like but also work out what you don't like like there will be areas of law that you will absolutely hate and that's absolutely fine and there'll be areas of law that you love and that's great. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place with them. Through the University of Law's pro bono programme, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast. My name is Stephanie and I am the host of today's episode. With me today is Laura Murray. Laura is an associate at Burgess Salmon and specialises primarily in construction and engineering dispute resolution. During the show, Laura will be talking about her journey going into law and what it's like to work in the legal industry having dyslexia. She'll be talking about the kinds of cases that she works on and the tasks that she performs. And because you can never get enough trainee tips, Laura will share her opinion on what makes a trainee solicitor excel. This is a very exciting episode for me because Laura and I went to the same school, we were in the same year, and we haven't had the opportunity to properly catch up until now. So without further ado, welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, Laura, on The Student Lawyer. I'm very excited to have you here. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So, Laura... Please, can you tell us about your route into law and explain what the journey was like having dyslexia? Yeah, sure. So um, I suppose I kind of knew I wanted to be a lawyer when I was in year eight. I did a mock trial at school. Um, I really enjoyed it. I always thought I'd be a criminal lawyer, but it didn't end up that way. But um, that's kind of what kind of pushed me into kind of the legal route. Um, I didn't know I had dyslexia until my final year at uni. So I was in um, doing my commercial law exam and my tutor at the time was like, I'd never seen anyone spell business six different ways in an exam. Um, It had just never really been an issue. My mum had thought it had been years ago, but it was never really picked up in your GCSEs and A-levels at that time. But you'll probably find when you're at university, they really start to kind of get critical on how you write essays and kind of how you use language. Um, so it was picked up. I had an assessment done in my final year at uni and yeah, I was found to be dyslexic. Um, so that was a yeah, that was a bit of a surprise kind of that far on 
kind of into into my kind of education and into kind of my my journey um after that it was really good actually getting the diagnosis because it meant I got extra time in my exams um which was really helpful actually just having that time to consider points or approach things differently um when doing exams and also had support from the university for kind of um with technology and having word processing and, and using um, dictation. So I quite, I still quite like using dictation um, just because I find actually speaking things out loud, out loud a lot easier than say writing it down. Um, but I haven't found it. It's weird. I always make the jokes. I can't believe I've ended up going into a job where it's quite wordy and um, uh, you would think if anyone goes, Oh, you're dyslexic. How could you be a lawyer? It's actually completely different. I think, it doesn't stop you from doing it. It just, your brain works differently. I think you approach things from a different angle. You think about things in a different way. I'm also now super critical on like wording and how I write and how other people write. So actually when it comes to proofreading my work, I'm even more kind of aware of it. Um, so it has actually been, been a benefit. So um, yeah, I don't see it at all as being something that hinders me or, or stops my ability or stops me from getting to where I need to be. And I think if anyone who listens to these podcasts is, is dyslexic, though it shouldn't be something that you're, um, you know, worried about or kind of scared about or thinking that it would stop you from kind of getting where you want to be. It's actually something that can be really helpful, just the way that you think and the way that you approach things. So, um, and word processing really helps. I'm really still terrible at doing handwritten notes. So I am all for word processing and dictation. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think that like I'm dyslexic and something that stopped me from getting into um, law when I first left school is simply because I didn't really have a way with words. And I just, uh, well, to be honest, I thought I had the world figured out, you know, when I was at school and I was going to do, go off and do something very dramatic, um, <laughs> which some may have did, but anyway, that's another story. But I just think to um, go back to your point where you said, um, some people may think oh just because you're dyslexic dyslexic you can't have a career in law I just think that people who are dyslexic and who excel and who do uh, break into the industry it just goes to show how passionate they are about the career and you can do anything if you put your mind to it so if this person I think has decided they want to do it and they are putting in all the work all the hours and and really like achieving what they're setting out to do I just think it goes to show how really passionate that person is and how committed they are to the industry I think it also shows your resilience I think you know it can be hard like there are times you know I I look at words on a page and think oh um and you kind of have to take a step back like I find getting away from it sometimes reading things on the screen I find quite difficult and actually printing things out and reading things and using highlighting and kind of just taking a step back from kind of word should we say it it's um yeah I think you do take those knocks and I think you do sometimes feel quite vulnerable or kind of exposed especially when it is something that is you know quite word heavy as as a career but equally um yeah there are so many benefits to it and there are so many different kind of 
it's, it's kind of using something that is perceived as a weakness, but actually using it as your strength. So, for example, you know, picking up on kind of, you know, proofreading and being really hot on that because you kind of have to be. But equally, just, yeah, how your brain works, how you approach things differently, how you might structure things differently. Like I love using tables. I think they're brilliant. If you're kind of looking for a big contract, you can split up those clauses and you can really just you just have a better eye, like a view over them and an eyesight over them. So I think you just find workarounds for you and actually other people in the team go, oh, actually, I've not seen someone do that before. That looks like yeah. a really good and helpful way of doing it. So when, when you yeah. uh, say you uh, use a table when you're looking at a contract, uh, do you mm. mean like, I'm just trying to imagine it. Do you mean uh, like a case brief kind of thing? I don't know. Uh, yeah, a bit like a case brief. So I, I suppose, yeah, I suppose if you're if you're doing your LPC, you sometimes do them as you break down kind of all the different ticks of claim and what you're going to say back and, and doing it that way. I normally, if I, if I say have, um, objects of claim come through and then looking at defense and a reply altogether I'll then kind of separate the arguments out into columns and then go across and kind of work them out that way I think that's a really kind of helpful way for me to just visualize it mm-hmm. um, and use colors as well I do a lot of color coding everything is always very colorful so um, if there's ever a contract clause that worries me that normally goes in a red because it's a worrying clause or if it's an okay clause put it in green it's you know things like that that kind of help my my brain kind of look at it in a different way and kind of that's how my brain works and that's how I can kind of work everything out yeah I mean so you've touched on my next question um a little bit by talking about that um that table but how has being uh, dyslexic affected your career um I think people are always surprised when I say I am. I think they think I'm joking. I think I've got quite a jokey personality anyway. So they think when I say, oh, I'm just, I think, are you? You couldn't tell from your work. And I think I'm quite fortunate in that sense. I I think I'm lucky as well, the fact that I've entered the career when when we have word processing. I think if it was handwritten and doing that sort of things, that's when I really, that's when I really struggle doing like handwritten attendance notes and things like that. It's normally then when I come come away and then do the typing up. Um, But in all honesty, I think I made it an issue for myself, if that makes sense. I think I've always kind of been like, oh, no, I'm dyslexic. Oh, no, I've not approached that. Oh, I'm quite scared of, you know, really long submissions. And actually, when I've done them, it's been absolutely fine. Um, Because I think, especially if if your dyslexia hasn't been picked up till later on, you've already started to develop these kind of coping mechanisms or how you would approach things differently. So um, in all honesty, I don't think it has. I don't think it's made me kind of go... um, any, or anything that I can really see is affecting my career. Um, I think I've maybe put maybe a bit too much emphasis on it or been too worried about it, um, which has probably affected my confidence as opposed to actually my ability. Um, so what I would say, if you are dyslexic, you probably are doing a, a, a really good job and no one knows and no one realises that you are. It's only that you know you are. Yeah. So. How about when you're at work and in the office? Is there anything uh, different to kind of like the traditional setup that an office may have for um, for their workers? Mm. So, yeah, so legal, we do a lot of, we can, well, it depends on on the law firm and and kind of who you're kind of training under. But a lot of lawyers I know do a lot of dictation and I used to do loads of dictation. So that's when you you speak into um, like a little microphone program and then it gets sent off to your secretaries and they type it up for you and then you get it back and you check it over. And I found that really helpful because that just really got me thinking about kind of the letters and speaking and then getting someone else to to type it up and then looking over it. Um, 
equally though I do find the benefits of word processing in the sense that you type something out and then you look at it and then you jiggle it about a bit move it around the page and then you move the structure around um so I find um yeah I found that kind of different approaches to it I as I said I print everything off um I used to have different colored paper I found that really helpful because sometimes that can the kind of black and white contrast can be quite difficult when you're dyslexic so I found actually different colored paper really helpful And I've been really honest with my supervisors when I've had it. I've said, look, I've got dyslexia. I know sometimes, you know, there might be issues with structure. Please just tell me. Please, let's just have a really open kind of conversation about it. Like I'm here to learn and I want to kind of be the best lawyer that I can be. And I still take that approach now. If there are things in my structure of how I'm dealing with submissions for something, then um, I'm all for having that feedback and kind of learning and keep learning. That's really good to know. Thank you for that. Uh, just going back onto the the point about confidence that you mentioned, I was I was actually listening to a podcast the other day, um, and one of the guest speakers was like somebody really high up in one of the big investment firms, and he was talking about having dyslexia. And um, even now, to this day, he gets really he gets worried about having to write something down in a meeting and show people in case people laugh at him and um you know it it goes all the way up to that level so um yeah it's it's funny isn't it like it's it's just something that I suppose a person needs to work on and almost not care about it as long as they know that they are um doing everything that they can to overcome um obstacles that they have I suppose just um mm. you know just just like um just concentrate on yourself I think it's it's more common than you think as well I think it's one of those things I think if it's affecting you and you feel worried about it you're then more alive to it anyway because it's something that you're concerned about but it's amazing just how many people have dyslexia or how many people know somebody who has dyslexia so it's actually so much more common than than you think it is and there's also varying degrees of it so there's obviously there's mild forms of it there's really severe forms of it um but I think yeah I think it's just it is sometimes really hard I think having that confidence in yourself and as you're saying about that gentleman who's talking about being high up at a bank and mm-hmm. writing things down it is daunting because you yeah. think oh no I don't want anyone to think any less of me because I can't I can't spell I remember being at primary school and I was awful at spelling I was in I was in top set for maths and as soon as it came to spelling I was in bottom set and I hated it because I just felt like I couldn't do it and that really like that it's still even now the idea of doing a spelling test just makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm just like oh I couldn't think of anything (laughs) worse um (laughs) but but it it does it it brings back that kind of fear I think sometimes of being back at school and kind of feeling like you're being a bit exposed because you can't spell and yeah yeah, um, oh it's that pressure yeah. yeah the pressure but spell my name. No, I'm joking. That was an extreme example. <laughs> but, um, it's kind of like that. So can you talk to us about the surgeries that you've been um, undergoing and how these have affected you and your career? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a turbulent year for me. So um, about, yeah, it's been about a year now. Um, I ended up um, having an abscess in my glute. Um, completely out of the blue so I play a lot of hockey you probably remember from back in the day and I just was a bit lazy in lockdown I confess um, and started playing hockey again and just thought it was a, a, a muscular injury for that and it turned out to be an abscess and I ended up in emergency surgery having it drained I had no idea about any of this or like you know what what it meant um, and I ended up having to take um, a couple of weeks outside of work out of work and then um, has been having ongoing surgeries to basically fix the core issue at the moment so I'm due to have surgery number eight in 
about a week's time and I'm due to have 12 surgeries in total so I've had um yeah it'll be seven so far in the last year um and then yeah should be hopefully finished next year in June um but yeah it's been um it's been a challenging time I've always taken my health for granted um and I, I you know I've, I've you know usually been very fit and healthy um I've never really had to think about it. And um, it really kind of, it really threw me, especially in the middle of a pandemic as well, because things were changing anyway with the work from home and kind of changing kind of your setup, et cetera. Um, so this was definitely something that definitely threw a massive spanner in the works for me. Um, but work-wise, it's, there's obviously been, um, it's not been the ideal yet because I recently got promoted as an associate and I'd want to have gone into my associate re- year really kind of flying with it but it's kind of obviously had to kind of take a bit of a step back but I've still managed to work whilst this has been going on I was been full-time now since February so and Burgess Salmon have been really great and really supportive of kind of making sure that I get back on track and that I'm where I need to be um but yeah it's I wouldn't it's obviously would have affected my career in the sense I'm not doing you know the chargeable hours that some say someone who is fit and healthy would do but again it's it's really made me kind of appreciate the work that I am doing and the exposure I have had and the clients I have and the work that I have still been able to do alongside the these surgeries and I think every time I tell someone they're like what you look well like and in my in myself you know I can now go to the gym I can now do everything that I used to be able to do um a bar a few things I'm, I'm not allowed to ride a bike yet but um I never really was an avid cyclist anyway um but it's um yeah it's been an interesting time and it, I think this whole kind of 18 months or nearly two years kind of in lockdown and working from home has had it has had a real kind of benefit for me because it has meant that I've been able to work from home I've had a standing desk I've been able to kind of manage manage kind of coming back to work after each surgery and picking things up um, and not having to necessarily be in the office um, to do that I have been back into the office which has been great and I like being in the office probably get to go see everyone who I work with but um, I think the kind of flexible working side of things has really helped me in my own kind of personal situation with that so um, yeah but it's definitely taught me about resilience I'll say that and appreciating my health and also just being aware you know just more aware of what other people are going through and just you know you don't really have much of a choice of kind of the bad things that happen to you in life. This is kind of my my mantra now, but you can choose how you deal with them. And I think your attitude as to kind of how you pick yourself up and how you move yourself forward is kind of your you, in your control and what how you can manage it and how you can kind of push yourself forward and kind of get the best out of what you can, really. Uh, yeah, I think that's so important. Before I move on to the next question, I have to ask, are you going to pick up the hockey stick again when you have fully recovered? <laughs> So I tried to pick it up again in June um, for summer league, but it just it was too much too soon. So um, so yeah. So I. Well, I hope Miss Seymour's um, not listening to this. <laughs> I know. I'm taking um. I'm taking a season. Well, yeah. I'm taking a season out just to kind of get back to where I need to be. Um, it was weird because it, it, just before I, all this happened, I was running like half marathons. I was the fittest I'd ever been. I was thinking, ah, oh, yeah, I'm gonna really kind of get into the season. So. There we go, you know, throw a spanner in the works. <laughs> oh, I knew there was a reason why I didn't play hockey and um, <laughs> now I know. Before we get into the second half of the episode, I'd like to take this opportunity to talk about the sponsors of today's show and the law school that I chose to study my LPC at and that's the University of Law. The University of Law believes in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. Their experienced career service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life experience from the start. 
They offer a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. To find out more about the courses on offer, click the link in the description box of the podcast. What were the reasons or reason that you decided to become a solicitor who specialises primarily in uh, the construction and engineering dispute resolution team? Mm, so quite interesting. Well, my dad's a civil engineer and I think he always wanted me to be an engineer, but I never really, <laughs> never really wanted to. I always was like, no, I want to go and do law. Um, no one in my family is a lawyer either. So it's kind of a weird. They're all either teachers or engineers. Um, so I went to uni thinking I'd do criminal law. So as I touched on the mock trial earlier, like I did a mock trial when I was back at school and I really enjoyed it. Um, and kind of, yeah, I was like, I'm definitely going to do a legal career. That's what I want to do. Um, and it wasn't actually until I got into my training contracts that, um, I know I want to be a litigator because I paralegaled whilst I was doing my LPC and I enjoyed kind of the litigation side of things as opposed to transactional. I don't mind transactional. I still enjoy it, but I'm, I'm definitely more on the litigator fence. And, um, I went into my training contract and they didn't have a seat in litigation at the time, but they did have a seat in construction litigation. And I remember speaking to one of the partners and they said, look, it's very, very similar, but you've just got, you know, it's construction. You've got tangible buildings. You can see things. It's very different to different forms of litigation. Um, so I did a seat in it and absolutely loved it. And I think that was kind of my, my kind of ticket in. And I think, yeah, my, the thing that I enjoy, I really enjoy about construction is just, how different every project can be, the different buildings, the different ideas, the different issues that come up in them. Um, it's just a very, very interesting area. And I think it also goes to how my brain operates because if you show me an issue, like a defect in a building, I can see it and I'm like, yeah, I can see that. My brain can see it and it can like logically break it down and be like, yeah, that's the issue. I get that. Or I can read an expert report and kind of follow it through. Um, and I think that that then plays on kind of my advantage of kind of how my, my brain works. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing is with law, and I don't think you necessarily know it that much when you're kind of going through school or going through university, is that it touches on so many different parts of life and you can really just take it wherever you want to take it. So you can do something like construction if it interests you. You can go and do something like sports law if that's something that really interests you as well. I think sometimes when you're younger definitely you just kind of you only see kind of the criminal side because that's all you see that's in like the public domain when actually there's just so much out there that you can do um so Um, that yeah that's really interesting I love how you um how you're able to like like see what's going on by looking at um by looking at a plan um like on that I was reading an article the other day about how uh people in construction are using uh, virtual reality now to like build um build like infrastructure things um have you come across any like disputes over virtual uh, over companies using this kind of yeah so i haven't seen any disputes on it yet so it's, it's a thing called bim um that's kind of coming out at the moment and it's kind of it basically is, is a modeling and it's 3D modeling and it's really interesting. And I'd really recommend if you if you like construction, go and have a look at it. I've met some really interesting um, people who are starting to kind of really develop BIM. Um, and yeah, I, we've not seen, I, I've personally not seen any disputes on it yet. It's kind of still in its kind of early early kind of points, shall we say. Um, so it, it's got time. It's got time yeah. to kind of uh, 
create disputes in the long run, I'm sure. But um, yeah, it's an interesting time in, in construction because of the different technology that's coming out. So you've got things like um, like your BIM, like your virtual stuff that you're, you're talking about there, the different kind of materials that you can use. It's just, it's always developing and it's all, it's just a really kind of interesting area in terms of designs and ideas that come out and things that are changing and how it's responding so think things like the different uses of energy at the moment that we're seeing coming through um to kind of hit those net zero targets it's just it's a, a forever moving industry i think and forever changing and i think that's what again makes it a really kind of interesting um interesting kind of career to follow yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting that you, you're talking about um, digital aspects and ESG aspects. And as a, a law student who's working hard on, you know, becoming very commercially aware, it's funny to see how all these different kind of things merge together mm. and like everything's affected by everything. Um, so that was a real interesting eye opener. Um, so I'm going to come back on to interesting cases that you have worked on a little bit later on. But before we do move on to that, um, when you have a litigious case, at what point do you instruct a barrister and how does the solicitor and barrister relationship work? Hmm. So that was quite an interesting one. So it really depends on the case, the size of the case and the client. There's lots of different kind of moving points. Um, especially in construction, because we have a special dispute resolution procedure called adjudication. So um, that's normally, it's basically a process where a dispute can be resolved in either 28 to 42 days under statutory adjudication. And it's it was a mechanism that was designed to basically get a dispute resolved really quickly so that you could continue on site. Um, so when we've got something like an adjudication going on, we sometimes do quite a lot of it ourselves um, and we'll do the submissions and work through them. But it also depends on kind of the size of it. If it's a really big adjudication and we think actually there's a really um, particular point of law that we want to have a barrister come and comment on, then we'll, we'll engage them to kind of have a look at that. Um, and actually, we've engaged them on a few matters recently, um, and especially in like civil litigation cases. We try and get them in, engaged on that um, due to kind of presenting the issues at court because, as solicitors, you're limited on what you can present at court unless you're a solicitor advocate. Um, so um, we try to kind of engage them and get them involved as soon as possible so that we can kind of marry up the process together and we can work together. Um, I think it's really important with that solicitor barrister relationship that you do work as a team. Um, it's not just them and us. It's that kind of let's get this fluid, fluid relationship moving forward so that um, we can really get the best, best out of each other for our client. Um, so yeah, it is a difficult one to answer because there's no kind of definite answer as to when we, when we get them involved, um, or why we get them involved or who we get them involved for. It really just depends on a case by case basis. Um, so yeah, it's probably not a very helpful answer. No, no, that's fantastic answer. <laughs> um, so you mentioned, you talked about solicitor advocates and, uh, and before when you did uh, mooting at school, would you recommend that law students, even if they are quite um, sure that they want to be a solicitor who who doesn't do um, who doesn't um, advocate at all, would you recommend mm. that they still do mooting just to get the experience? Yes, moot moot as much as you can. So I um, did mooting at university. Um, I was mistress of the moot at Exeter. I did national and international moots, and it is it is just 
a brilliant way to complement your understanding of the law because the questions that you'll you'll be mooting over will potentially be questions that come up in your exams. Um, so you've had that chance to really kind of get into the case law. You've had that chance to really get into the issues. Um, so it really complements your studies. It also develops your thinking, like how are you going to approach this? How would I argue it from one side? How would I argue it from the other side? It starts to focus you on how you'd write your submissions as well. So I'm a massive advocate for mooting. I think it's a brilliant thing to to get involved with and do um yeah 100 if yeah even if you know you're going to be a solicitor even if now you're like i'm absolutely going to be a solicitor still go and move there's no reason why why you shouldn't i think it's a brilliant um a brilliant way for you to really test your mind test your quick thinking um because you'll still be stretched and ask these questions on the phone by clients they'll you know you'll still need to kind of have that quick thinking on your feet um and yeah it will really cement your knowledge and, and complement your studies yeah yeah I did it in the first year of um in the first year of uni and it helped with my confidence a lot as well so it's just mm. good to know that uh, when you're finished people won't start immediately laughing at you and that you can do it even if you sucked like even if you suck just go and do it um because it does help with confidence you will be 10 times better than you think you are like 100% you will be I know like it can be really daunting and you think oh is it the people that you know did drama at school and really enjoyed that sort of thing and really enjoyed public speaking but I think when you're when, I don't know I don't know if you found it but when you're kind of really into the mood you're you just kind of forget everyone's there yeah you're just like right I'm looking at this I'm responding to these questions and it's amazing how quickly your time goes I think sometimes you, you think oh god I've got to feel like 10 minutes or 15 minutes talking on a you know on a point and it's amazing just how quickly that time goes. Yeah. Um, so I think if you are nervous at, at meeting, just go and give it a go. The worst that can happen is that you do it and you absolutely hate it, but you've done it. Yeah, um, that's so true. So true. Um, a piece of advice from a barrister that I used to work with actually once said to me, because I was not prepared the, for the uh, meeting competition the next day, he was like, just go and do it because there's going to times in your life where you're not prepared and where you are going to fail so even if you fail and you suck like you just like that's just as you were saying it's building resilience so um so yeah so thank you for that what has been the most common dispute or disputes that you've worked on since qualifying oh um I'm trying to think that's um again I have I'm very fortunate I have a real range of disputes like I'm I think that's what's a really nice element of being in construction is that no real dispute is the same no client is the same um so I've had a real range of disputes I worked so when I first qualified I moved to Bevan Britain was doing quite a lot of PFI so doing a lot of um kind of hospital disputes and they were really interesting um and I really enjoyed those and now I'm kind of doing a lot more kind of I've moved to kind of just get a bit more broader practice. So I'm doing a lot more kind of energy disputes um, and that side of things. So I just, yeah, I don't think there's, there's no one particular dispute that stand out to me to go, oh, that's the one that, you know, I really remember. I think all of them have been really interesting for different reasons. Um, And I think I just love to learn. I love meeting experts and learning about a certain you know, system of, it sounds really silly, but like a, a drainage system that's gone wrong. Why has it gone wrong? Um, or, you know, certain bits of materials have gone wrong or a building is doing this. Why is it doing that? It, it's just really interesting. And meeting experts in, in fields who really enjoy what they do. I think that's what's also really nice is you spend a lot of time talking to experts and you think, 
wow, they're really passionate about that. And that's just really nice. It's a really nice thing to engage with people who are passionate about what they do. Yeah. Um, that's so, really, yeah. yeah, thank you. Um, so has there been a spike in construction disputes uh, related to the pandemic? It's been busy. Any, I think law, if you talk to any lawyer at the moment, they are busy. I think everyone has definitely um, picked up. I think we initially had a lot of queries coming in about force majeure. So kind of, you know, with, with the pandemic, is this a force majeure? And a lot of that was kind of troubleshooting issues and, and looking at contracts for that. Um, seen more, or we were expecting to see kind of more final account disputes. So when you kind of get to the end of a project, how, you know, having having a bit of a dispute over how much it cost. Um, so it's difficult I've always been since I've qualified I've always been busy I don't think I've ever had a time where I've been like oh it's quiet people used to always say to me oh August is really quiet and I don't think I've had a quiet (laughs) yeah exactly I'm like who's it quiet for um so yeah I think I've always been like a bit busy um and I find it weird when I'm quiet I don't think I don't enjoy it when I'm quiet because it just doesn't feel right I'm always like oh I should be busy um Get into the legal industry, you kind of expect to be busy, right? Or if you oh, don't 100%. expect to be busy, by the way, you're going to be busy. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's, that sounds really good. You know, I would hate to uh, rock up to work and be like twiddling my thumbs, not really having much to do. Um, so can you tell us about the most interesting case that you've worked on and why it was so interesting? Oh, the most interesting. That's a really tough one. Um, I'm putting you on the spot now, like asking. No, you are. I I think, I know. I'm just trying to think what, what, because sometimes I think what I find really interesting, other people might think, wow. (laughs) No, come on. I'm asking you a personal question to you. (laughs) Um, My most interesting one. Oh, that that is a really difficult one. I would say... I've been very fortunate. I've had a few. I think my most interesting ones have been working with some of the NHS trusts have been brilliant. And I can't I can't go into a huge amount of detail as to kind of what those involved. But I just I think working with them and, the, and those in house, they're just so passionate about their hospitals and they really care about making sure that things are what how they should be. Um, so I wouldn't say it's necessarily my most interesting case. I just say client-wise, they've be, they've always been very a very interesting client to work with, just because the people that have worked there have always just been so passionate about kind of their position and what's going on with their hospital, and that's always been really refreshing um, and really nice to work with. Um, yeah, that's really nice to hear. So, um, what does your what does an average day consist of for you? Um, I'm sure an average day um so I'm quite keen on like so I check my emails first thing always check through and kind of make a priority list of things I need to um get through urgently so always kind of check through that I'm I'm a sucker for lists I absolutely love them love having to do lists love writing out it just helps me focus on what I need to get through that day um normally it it really varies day to day really fortunate that it depends if I'm and it also depends what I've got on. If I've got like if I've got an adjudication on, for example, that normally wipes out quite a lot of my time. So that's kind of going through um, submissions, engaging with clients, um, and working through things that way. So um, 
that's kind of a standard kind of adjudication, kind of just kind of churning things out, talking to experts, getting everything together, organising it and pulling it so that it's one big, big submission that gets submitted. Um, but a lot of it is, yeah, working, just working through documents, talking with clients, talking with members of my team, also doing business development. So I'm a member of FFT, which is um, a committee in uh well nationally I'm sit on the um western branch and we are the junior end of FBE which is um for the built environment and we kind of it's a mixture of kind of architects um uh, um project managers kind of all sitting on a committee and doing things in the construction industry so I do a lot of events and work, and work with them which is really good fun and really enjoy that too so um it's not just doing the law um and I think sometimes that's what is potentially like what you don't necessarily understand when you're kind of going through law school is that you are doing your BD, you're doing your billing, you're doing your kind of relationship management, and you're also kind of then kind of looking at the law and engaging with your clients and moving things forward. Yeah, oh, that's really interesting and uh, really good to know how like the percentage of stuff, I suppose, because um, I'm sure that some some people may just think you're you know sat at a desk the whole time doing lots of legal research and um you know just you know, mixing up contracts and stuff like that yeah. um so I'm gonna um move on now to pass it into where we talk about an internship that you have done or internships yeah what were the benefits of having an internship at HSBC and a paralegal position before starting your training contract so yeah, I um I was part of the Prime Minister's Global Fellowship when I was eighteen. So I um got to go to China for six weeks, um, which was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. And um spent two weeks in Beijing and then four weeks in Shanghai. And as part of that, um, I had an internship at HSBC in the Shanghai office, which was um it was brilliant. We got to meet loads of different heads of department, kind of understand about kind of how how HSBC were kind of approaching globalization at that time because it's back in 2010 so it was literally just before I started university um, and it was just a really it was really nice to just kind of see an office environment and I think the same can be said with paralegaling so I paralegaled whilst I did my LPC part-time um, which was really it was basically a bit like a mini training contract so I did six month stints uh, one in Camden one in house one at a London West End firm and then one at a an international firm and I I just it was just a really good exposure for me for moving around so putting myself in different environments with different people trying different areas of law so that I was kind of really kind of really learning about the different types of firms but the different areas of law and kind of what suited me and what kind of made me kind of get excited to go to work and, and enjoy my day um so I kind of I yeah I really enjoyed it and I'd be a massive advocate if you can do some form of internship or paralegaling um, even if it's for a couple of weeks just to kind of get you there to work out what you do like but also work out what you don't like like there will be areas of law that you will absolutely hate and that's absolutely fine and there'll be areas of law that you love um, and that's great and it is probably going to be the case you know that you the first area of law that you try it might not be the it might not be the one for you but that doesn't mean that law isn't the career for you um, you can try different different parts of it you can try different areas of it. and as we kind of touched on earlier like it can take you to so many different places because the law touches so many different kind of parts of what we do in everyday life as well so um, I'm a massive advocate for just get out there and try it and kind of get used to working in an office and in an office environment as well 
Well, Laura, your journey into law is so exciting. It must have just been, I don't know, just so inspiring every single day, like going in and being being so young and doing it as well. It must have been really energising. I think at the time I didn't realise how young I was. Do you know when you kind of look at it a bit like you said earlier, where you think, you know, you know, you know, yeah. you, you know the world. And I look back at it and go, oh, God, it was pretty, pretty young to kind of be going and, and doing everything I was doing. But I had some really good mentors along the way as well. And I think that's a big part of kind of growing your success is find people who you want to kind of put as your mentor and kind of, you know, learn from them, ask them questions. They've been there. They've done it. Um they can tell you how they would have done it differently, um, which is also really good because everyone says, oh, the gift of hindsight might not be a gift to you, but it could be a gift to someone else. Um, and they could really learn from something that didn't go well for you. Um, so definitely another thing is, yes, yeah, surround yourself with mentors um, because they can really, really help. Yeah, I agree. 100%. How can trainees excel whilst in their training contract? Um, I would say it's all about your attitude and your willingness to learn because you are not going to know everything you're a trainee you know you're coming to learn it's part part of your training contract is an opportunity for you to learn and for you to try the different areas of law but the trainees that really stand out to me are the trainees that really want to get involved they want to try everything they I think it's the attitude that they carry that yes they don't know everything but they want to know everything and they want to be engaged and they want to do everything that they possibly can um, so I think it's just, you know, your attitude, I think, is is the key thing. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, attitude, a good attitude, good can-do attitude and enthusiasm um, is the main the main thing. That's great to know. Really good to know. Um, so my last question, which I'm very sad about because I have absolutely loved chatting to you. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um. I would say you're much stronger than you think you are. Um, you will have testing times, but you you have a fantastic family and a fantastic support group of friends and colleagues that will always kind of get you through it. So use them, use that support network, utilize it. Um, and just, yeah, stop worrying all the time is another thing. We worry too much. Probably makes me good at what I do because I worry about absolutely everything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, yeah, you're stronger than you think you are. Stop worrying about everything. And you've got this. You've 100% got this. Have more confidence in yourself. Fantastic. Right. Well, I'm going to leave it there because I think that's just a fantastic note to end the show with. So thank you so much for being a guest. Um, It's been a great episode. You've given such wonderful advice. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief that its students should learn in a realistic, professional and contemporary context. They focus exclusively on practice-based training and give students access to their extensive career service and jobs vacancy database as soon as they accept a place. Through the University of Law's pro bono program, law students can hone their skills by working on real cases before they graduate. The University of Law offers a range of postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students advance at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. 
Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. The University of Law will help you reach your ambitions by delivering an outstanding academic and employment-focused experience, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. As soon as you begin your studies with ULaw, you'll learn how to think and act like a lawyer. Whether your aspirations are in law or other fields, their courses will balance academic rigour and practical skills so your career starts from day one. To find out more about the courses they have on offer, just click the link in the description box of the podcast. To hear more of the Student Lawyers podcast, hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.